Hey, welcome to the Syracuse Vineyard Podcast. Thanks for taking some time to listen in with us. If you like what you're hearing and would like to know more about the church, you can go to our website at vineyardny.org or follow us on social media at vineyardny on YouTube, vineyardny Syracuse on Instagram, and vineyardny-syracuse on Facebook. And now we're going to listen in on this week's message. You know, big things are often awe-inspiring. I remember the first time I saw the Twin Towers live. Like, you know, you're driving in New York in the 80, and there's a point where you come over the crest, and you see the, the New York City skyline in front of you. And it, it's pretty impressive. But, but standing at that time, you know, standing above everything else were these two big towers. Like head and shoulders above everything around them. And you think, you know, when you first see it, oh, they just must be little buildings because uh, this is twice as big as the closest thing. But you find out they aren't little buildings. They're, they're huge in themselves. And, 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 you know, I remember going and driving in and, you know, getting a subway down to that area and you come out and you can't even see it because the buildings are so big around. But then you get, you turn this corner around this block and you see the bases of these towers are huge. And there's all this open area, too, because, I mean, football fields and football fields could fit in all those. And you look up, and you can't really even see, because you're at such an angle, quite the top of these things. And it looks like it touches the, the clouds itself. And it's so big, you know, you get in the elevator, you used to have to go up by, like, 110 stories. And you have to swallow, like, three times to pop your ears. It's, it's worse than a plane taking off, right? Because you're catching such elevation. And you get to the top, and they had the outside observation tower, right? And you go out, and I don't like heights. And so I was a little nervous. I remember going over to the side and gripping the bar, you know, to, to look over. And you, you, you look down, and, uh, you know, the taxi cabs look like tiny little ants binging around. And I'm thinking, wow, who, who thought of this? Who who? engineered these two of these up next to each other who were the steel workers that put this together it was awe inspiring i mean big is awe inspiring that's why i'm doing this two week series called big because there's nothing bigger than god and as we look at this we just see how incredibly big he is how incredibly last week you looked at how incredibly big his his redemptive plan was for us that humanity messed up and got pulled away and our relationship was broken and he was on his rescue mission. And he, he brought in and lived a life and died on a cross so that we could have his righteousness. They would actually have his validating performance put on our record, his transcripts on our record so we could be with a holy God forever. That as a big and just God, he had to do justice we talked about last week. And so he was the justice that he demanded. And he gave us his justification, which is more than just pardon. If you remember, I talked about it. It is pardon plus, pardon 2.0. That we not only got pardon, but we got position. We wouldn't just have our sins forgiven and go off. It was invited in to be his family. I mean, if you didn't, weren't here last week and didn't hear it, I'd really encourage you to go online and listen because it is the foundation of our faith and it is huge. Well, today, 
I want to look at how big Jesus is and how that should affect us. Here's my first point. Jesus is the all-powerful creator and ruler over all creation. Let me read you something that John, the apostle, who walked with Jesus, had meals with Jesus, listened to Jesus, saw Jesus perform incredible miracles, saw him die and saw him raise to life. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote this. In the beginning was the Word. Now he's talking about Jesus, and the Word, he actually explains a little bit later that the Word is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He's laying out and saying clearly, look at this, Jesus who walked the planet, he is actually the second person in the Trinity. He is completely God in flesh. He was with God, he is God, he was God, he's, he's all about God. And so we get this picture. When we talk about how big God is, we're talking about Jesus. But then John says this. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing that was made has been made. The Jesus, he's saying here, right, twice, Jesus made everything. That he is the creator, the creator God. Now, Jesus made everything. Think about that, right? The solar systems, the galaxies. He made the, this planet, the, the world, the fishes, the birds. He made our body. He made our cells. Now, sometimes we just glance over that. I mean, look at how incredible it is. Listen to this. Linus Pauling, who is a, a famous scientist, a Nobel Prize winner, an atheist, he said this. Just one living cell in a human body is more complex than New York City. That the way we've been created is incredible. That it's just, it, it isn't some accident, some weather changes, some, some chemical reactions and some glob. That this has intelligent design, an incredible design that we could have never dreamed of. And that intelligent design was Jesus. The all-powerful Lord of all, who is, who is, incredibly brilliant and creative and big i mean look at this picture here right this picture shows these aren't stars that you see in that picture these are actually galaxies and there are from all our telescopes now we can see that scientists believe that there are basically uh trillions of galaxies with billions of stars each. Stars like our planet, like our sun. I mean, that's how big and expanding what God has created and is creating is. It's amazing. You know, God made it all. And I love how he even talks about it. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, there's, there's this story about creation. And in it, it just says this. There's, in verse 16, he says, He made the stars also. Like, he's listening to everything he says. Oh, yeah, and he did the stars too. Like, yeah, I got it. Like, freaking trillions and trillions, zillions, quadruple, 
of stars. And yeah, he did that too. That's the God who loved us, who put all that aside to come to this planet to pay the price for our mess. That is awesome. You know, <laughs> I play this video game. It's called Township. Anybody play that? Yeah, yeah okay, I'm addicted to it too. And, and it, you, you basically start out with a little tiny farm, a couple plots of land, and you got to build, and you build factories. And, and I'm so proud of my town. It's after my grandkids, I named it Hope, Ben, and Theo Town. And, um, man, that town is 5,200 fake people living in it. <laughs> Level 54. I, I, I don't mean to brag. I'm kind of a big deal in that town. And that is so nothing, right, to what God created. Let me read you something else the Bible says, which is the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. For in him, Jesus, for him, him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. That all things, you know, you know, like cells and distant stars and spiritual beings. Everything, things that we know about and don't know about yet. Anything that exists, he created that's how big and glorious he is. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That these have been made for him. That we are to submit to him and serve him and worship him. That all things, all creation will line up and worship him as the great God he is. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. The very nucleus of ourselves are held together by the power of his voice. And let there be, and it was. You know, um, in the book of Revelation, John, he's, he's in prison, basically waiting execution and God gives him this incredible vision or experience something and he he sees the the future he sees the heavens and what will happen and in the beginning of the book he writes this to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve as God and Father. That is his righteousness and his justice for us, his justification of us. To him be glory and power forever and ever and ever. Amen. He says, I, and Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and was and will be, that I am the beginning, I am the end, that everything that ever been, all time and space and creation is in me and created by me, empowered by me. And then he says, 
in the Almighty, the all-powerful. That is who Jesus is. Yes, he's our friend. Yes, he's close. But don't ever forget how majestic and huge and powerful that he is. It's, it's like, it, for me, you know, how do you imagine seeing something that's so amazing that blows you away? The closest thing I got to my life is the ocean. Like, when I was growing up, I'd never seen the ocean. When I was, after eighth grade, our family went down to Florida. We drove down. I was going to see the ocean for the first time. Now, up to that point, basically the biggest body of water I ever saw was Onondaga Lake. I'd seen Gilly Lake, and I'd seen Onondaga Lake. And I'd seen the St. Lawrence River, so I don't know what, what... Anyhow, I haven't seen much big water, right? And... I remember we drove there, and that next morning we walked to the beach, and you come up over the dunes, right? And you can hear the roar already. And you come over the dunes, and you, I saw it, and I was like, wow. Like as far as I could see out, there was water. I looked to the left, and as far as you could see was water, and as far as you could see to the right was water, and you get up close, and it's powerful, and it's roaring, and these waves are hitting, and I'm just like in awe, and I, I, you know, I didn't believe in Jesus at that time, but I just said, wow, there must be a God, and he is stinking big, you know, <laughs> it was just this understanding of how big he is, I was in awe of his power and his size, and, and yet, the ocean is nothing to the God who created it. So because he is so big and powerful and loving, here's my second point. He is worthy of our worship and obedience. Let me give you Psalm 96. It says this. Sing to the Lord. And the Lord there is Yahweh. That's a Hebrew word that means I am who am. It is the very name that Jesus claimed in the gospel. He was saying, I am God. This is, I am forever before and ever after. I've always been. I, so it's a sign of being the creator power. Sing to the Lord, Yahweh. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day and after day. That here, this great Lord, this creator power also has redeemed us. He's brought his justification to us, his redemption for us. And we should praise him again and again throughout our day, throughout every minute. That we should recognize his power and authority and goodness and grace towards us. Declare the glory, declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all people. That's creation. That's salvation. It's all the things he's done. For great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised. More worthy than anything we have ever seen. He is to be feared above all gods. Anything that we would put in a place that we might let control us and have authority in our life. He is to be feared above them. Fear, the sense of awe, wonderment. 
yes, and a, and a tinge of, of fear because he's so big and so powerful and we're not. And we are held in his hand. But as we know him, we know his love. And that's where fear slips to awe and worship. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. See, he is in the center of all this. And because he is so powerful, so grace-filled, so so just and justifying, we should praise him. It's said throughout scriptures, but another place that I love how it points out, we heard it in a reading today, it says this, in your relationship with one another, you have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Here's who Jesus is. Who being a very nature God, he was God. Did not consider equality God would be something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. I hate Siri. By taking the very nature of a servant. Rather, he made himself not even a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross, the all-powerful God set all that aside, took on human flesh, but lived the toughest life that may ever been. So he could go to the cross and be brutally sacrificed to pay for all our mess. Therefore, God exalted him to be highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, that every being shall so see his greatness and fall on their face before him, that they will humble and he is great. And in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is that great. Psalmist writes this, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You see, fear, this awe, it leads to worship. But worship, true worship, leads to obedience, submission, he is Lord. Worship puts us in the right place to be obedient. But the problem is, you and I, we want to be the center of it all, don't we? Like, we want to be the boss. We don't want nobody telling us what to do. The true understanding of how great he is, how loving he is, powerful. We worship him and then we are obedient to him.
I mean, think of the, the, the apostles, right? They walked with him. They saw. They, they left everything. They followed him. And he did some crazy things, said some crazy things, and they stayed with him. And, and you know, in that, they, they watched him slaughter to murder. They never, they never turned or blinked. They kept pressing ahead in their brokenness. And tradition tells us that every one of the apostles died as a martyr, refusing to blink to say, no, he is Lord. And no matter what it costs me, I will do what he says and I will proclaim his name. Every one of them. Now, here's my last point. Our obedience matters. You know, we live in a self-centered society where we do our own thing, right? Where we're told to make it, if it feels good, that's okay. Self-actualize. Chase your dreams. You know, really, we kind of live with a mindset. Honestly, we all are affected by this. That we want to avoid pain and sacrifice at all cost. But we must be obedient to Jesus' commands. It can't be, oh, I love you, Jesus, on Sunday. And then the rest of the week, we do whatever we want. We do whatever we want with our money. We do whatever we want with our sexuality. We do whatever we want with our relationships. We do whatever we want with our business. We do whatever we want with issues of justice. We do whatever we want about caring for the poor. We just live our life, and if it fits our time frame and our comfort, we'll do something. L listen to what John, the apostle, writes. Now, he's near the end of his life. Some scholars think he wrote this while he was in jail. And he's, he's old. He's the elder at this point. You saw him in the Gospels where he was the young guy around. Now he's the old guy. I kind of feel his pain. I used to be the young guy in the vineyard. Now they fly me around the country to be the old guy, you know? He writes this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. See, true love leads us to obedience. It's nice to worship. It's good to worship. But real worship is obedience. In the everyday tough little decisions that we have to make of what are we going to do in this situation right now in the promptings of the Holy Spirit right now. You know, you've probably heard the story, Saul, the first king of Israel, he's a rascal, and he's, he wasn't very obedient. And at one point then, God sends Samuel, the prophet, to call him out. And Saul kind of wanted to make sure everybody liked him, and kind of want to make a little extra coin, and so he was disobedient. 
not that much different than you and me. And Samuel calls him out, and there's a cost and consequences. But what he says in this time to Saul is he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice at that time was ceremonial worship. Obedience is better than all that stuff. Let me read you one last passage. Because what we do is important. I want you to walk away with this point that what we do is important. Paul, writing in Corinthians, says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. He's basically saying, look, I came to Corinth. I, 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 I preached the gospel. I helped you connect with Jesus. That's the foundation. And other people are building on it because he went to go plant other churches. And that's good. Other people are discipling it. Good, good, good. Everything good. But each one should build with care. What you do in your life, what you do off the, off the commitment, the connection with Jesus, where you take on his righteousness, receive his justification, at that point, it's very important you're careful what you build, of how you live your life, of give it real thought, of taking the word of God and screening everything through this. Be careful, it says. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other salvation for, through Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation, we all have to build on it, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. The day is judgment day. Whenever you read in the Bible, the day they're talking about the final judgment day. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Of all the decisions you make, they're going to be tested by fire. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. We receive rewards in heaven. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Let me explain. This is a, it's a, a, a little, could be a little confusing, and let me be real clear. Because, Hey, John, didn't you just talk about salvation by grace? Yes, yes, yes. That's the foundation. Understand this. On the judgment day, there's actually like two judgments. There's the first judgment, you know, the judgment of, where it's, is your name in the book of life? Have you connected with Jesus? You know, that's where Jesus, when he talks about it, he says, you know, you separate the sheep from the goats. And if you've connected with Jesus, then you're a sheep. You're in. If you're not, you're a goat. You, 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 the decision you made to reject Jesus now echoes through eternity, and forever you'll be separated from the God where all joy and all peace and all power and all community resonate from, where all forgiveness is. And we have to live in isolation and of our, uh, the, 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 our brokenness forever and ever. And that's why Jesus explains this place of gnashing of teeth, of incredible agony. Or we've connected with Jesus. We've been justified by him, like I talked about last week. And then we're in with him forever. But to be in with him, this is how I think it through. That then our, everything we've done has to be purified. 
Fire is a judgment. It's a purification symbol in, in the scriptures. And so our deeds go through there. And all the broken stuff, the centered self, center, self-centered stuff we do will be burned away. And only the pure, the good things, the real obedience to God will last. Now, I'm going to guess a lot of those incredibly beautiful gems that will last through the fire are things that people didn't even see. Our decisions we made in quiet, of, of unseen acts of grace and mercy and love towards others. But things are, are, are burned away and, and we get these, these, what's left, we get these gems. What do we do with them? Well, I know the scriptures talk about these crowns that we have and we get to you know, throw our crowns in a sense of worship to God. I, this is just me. This is just John letting you know how my mind works with the scriptures here. I think we get to like embed them in these, these great crowns. And the more there are, there's, it's incredibly beautiful. And sure, it'd be great to just throw a baseball cap at Jesus. This is an incredible worship thing. But it'd be even cooler, I, I, I guess in some way, without competition with anybody else, but just a, the joy of being able to give him more for eternity. Obedience matters. What we do matters. Those who, who've said yes to Jesus must say no to their own plans and comfort. And God can use us. And I think it's this story, there's so many people that I just, when I was working on this, I thought of this woman named Jackie Pollinger. I actually got to meet her once. Um, and she uh, grew up in England. And she, you know, at some point had this experience with Jesus. And she was 18, and she felt really clearly that Jesus called her to go to Hong Kong and care for the poor. And so she's like, okay, I'll do, you know. But she, she had all these dreams, you know, she went to college and, and, and you know, you just want a normal life and date and all this stuff, you know. But she had to put all her desires and comfort and safety and go to this, this place that she'd never been to and go and serve the poor. And so she, I, I got to be obedient. So because she loved Jesus, she worshiped Jesus. So she went to the mission agencies and they all said, no. Nah. You know, this is like, I think it was around the early 70s. Like they're like, you know, we're not going to take a, a single 18-year-old woman to do this. You know, go, go, go grow up, go get some degrees, go do something. And they shushed her away. And so she just worked and saved her money and bought a one-way boat ticket to... Um, Hong Kong, cheapest way to get there. And she just got in there and went there and just listened to the Lord. Ended up going into the, what was called the, the walled city. This was a section of Hong Kong that existed. It was actually the most densely, somebody just told me this week, it's the most densely populated area on the earth. It was, it was a small section that there was no British authority there and there was no Chinese authority. So it was like a lawless area that was run by drug lords and gangs, and it was the poorest area. And she went in there and just led by the Lord, started serving um, drug addicts. And God protected her, blessed her, and blessed people through her because of her obedience. My guess is there's some incredible 
gems that came out of that in a ministry that's still going forward today. You know, what God's calling you to do, what's stirring your heart, it, it most likely isn't as dramatic as what Jackie Pollinger did. Though maybe some of you are called in this room to be missionaries. Maybe some of you are called in this room to plant churches. But I'm going to guess for most of us it's less dramatic. We have to be obedient. Maybe it's in our, our sexuality of, of how we interface with the Internet or other people. Uh, maybe it's, it's we've been having sex outside of marriage. And it's time to be obedient to the Word of God in that area. Maybe for you, it's, it's how you handle your finances. I mean, this book is incredibly clear. It has so much to say about money. It's incredibly clear. You need to give your first 10% to the all-powerful, almighty God to say, I trust you, I submit to you. It's called a tithe. And it's supposed to go to your local church. And if you're not doing that, you're living a disobedient life. And so you need to respond. You know, it could be the way you treat people. In relationships, people that you work with or at school or your neighbors. It, it could be serving others. It, again, that the book tells us again and again to serve one another, serve one another. And there are system way, systematic ways to do it. And, and maybe you need to step into some kind of service, some kind of ministry here at the church. Or maybe, you know, in your community, like maybe God's calling you with a holy discontentment to fix something in central New York. And you're pushing it off because it's hard and it'll be awkward. You just don't want to do it. It could be praying for the sick. Again, you've heard me preach about praying for the sick. It is a simple, clear calling that we as disciples of Christ are to do. And maybe again again, you just keep saying, I'm not going to try it. God's nudging me. I'm not going to do it. I know this person's sick. I'm not going to put my hands and say, can I pray for you now? And then pray for him right then and ask for God's kingdom to come. There's a disobedience in that. For some of you, you know, last week, there were six people connected with Jesus for the very first time. And one of the things the scripture tells us clearly is that we need to be baptized at that, make this public confession. That's going to be a step of peace. Some of you here have been following Jesus maybe for years and still haven't done it. That's an act of disobedience. That we're to be obedient to everything this book says. Because it is the word of God. It's not, a, it's not a book of suggestions. It's Jesus saying, this is how I want you to live. Now, my sense is right now that the Holy Spirit is convicting some of you. There's something going on inside of you where you know you have been disobedient. You've held back. You have said no to God and yes to what you want. The Holy Spirit's stirring you. The Holy Spirit is calling you to repentance. To stop with the disobedience. Repentance means you're going one way, you stop, and you turn the other way. And now it's time to say yes. And to do what God's calling you to do. To stop doing what God's called you not to do. You know, 
John the Baptist said this about repentance. He said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Like you can feel bad, you can have, oh yeah, I should have done something. You can even say I'm sorry, but there better be fruit. There's got to be action. True repentance has action. Now I want to invite you to that today. Here's what I'm going to do in a moment, just so you know. For those of you, you know you're being convicted of something in your life. You know you've been disobedient. It may be small, it may be big. But you need to say, I'm sorry, God. I'm going to ask you to, to produce fruit. And the first step is to stand up and say, yes, I've been disobedient. And then what I'm going to do is invite whoever wants to stand up as an act of repentance of saying, Yes, I recognize the spot. I'm sorry. And I'm going to pray for forgiveness for you. And then I'm going to pray that God will fill you with courage and strength to move forward in that area that you need to move forward in. So now I'm going to ask once, if you'd like to stand now and say, yes, I need to repent of something, stand up and I'm going to pray. Hold your hands out as if to receive something. Join me as I pray. Jesus, we thank you for how incredibly great you are. We thank you for your awe-inspiring creation. How big and powerful it is. How, how, how smart it all is. How amazingly it works together and its, it's beauty and its smallness at the same time we thank you for being this great creator and we 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 love you and we submit to you and lord we recognize jesus that we have been disobedient that we have pushed you off your throne that we have said yes to things we shouldn't have we said no to you and we stand and we say we are sorry that we repent that we don't want it that way anymore and we thank you for your grace that will forgive us we thank you for your mercy that meets us at every step of the way. And Jesus, I pray that you would pour out your mercy and your grace now. And I speak your words of scripture that we confess that we've sinned, that you are faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I pray for a cleansing wave to, to wash across those who are repenting now. May the mercy of God take away guilt and shame and fill it with conviction. I pray, Jesus, that you would fill each one of us with courage and strength. I pray for courage to do the hard thing. I pray for courage to stand up for the oppressed and marginalized. I pray for courage to speak the name of Jesus in circles. I pray for courage to fight for those who have no fight. I pray for you, the courage of God that would bring the kingdom into central New York. Just fill us with that, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and sit. I'm just going to ask you to do this. With your connection card, on the bottom and the back, it says, I'll repent.
of my no. And I just ask you, if you just did that, that you would check that. That it is something about affirming it, signing on the dotted line. If you could do it on the app, you could do it on your connection card. If you haven't filled out your connection, just do it still. And, and I'm going to invite the ushers to collect the connection card. Just put it right in there. And while they're in c collecting those, let me, let me just finish up with this. I know that took a lot of courage to stand up. And I'm proud that there are, there are, there are women and men in this community that say, yes, I want, it, I, I want it different. You know, every revival in the history, that I don't know about every, a lot of revivals in the history of the world have started with a move of repentance. The one that's going, went on in Kentucky just recently that was actually, there was a vineyard church right there. It became one of the stations of it. Had a lot of impact in that vineyard and through that vineyard. It started with students just saying, we have, we have gone astray. And the Spirit of God moved. And my prayers, what happened this weekend, will stir that in this city. Let's all stand. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so very much for your incredible grace and mercy. We thank you for your conviction. I pray that you help us to walk with a deep sense of how big and wonderful and grace-filled you are. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week.